Punky Peeps, I'm Angela Bowen, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Welcome back, old and new listeners. I was happy for the time I had to myself to reflect on things. The last episode I put out was back on August 15th. You know, plus I really wanted to be able to get ahead on these podcasts so I wouldn't be behind. Uh, That's why I, I took those six weeks off to kind of also have time to myself as well, so it wasn't always podcasting, so, and to get ahead, so that way I'm not under the pressure, like, I gotta get it done, I gotta get it, I I don't like feeling like that, I don't like staying up late to finish notes, I don't like getting up early in the morning to finish notes, just to be able to record on a certain day, so, with being ahead, hopefully by at least a few weeks, that will get me all ready to go and set up. So, um, basically from here on out, I will be doubling up on Season 2 episodes, so you'll be getting twice the punky, twice the fun, and twice the laughs. My plan is to finish Punky Brewster Season 2 by the end of November, and then do the three Christmas episodes from se- well, from Season 1, yes, Punky There's a Santa Claus, that's an hour-long episode, Season 2, Christmas Shoplifting, and then we're going to jump way ahead to Season 4, Episode 7, Christmas Hero. So we're doing all the Christmas stuff in December because the podcast is going to, the Punky Brewster podcast is going to be done as of next year. So that's what we're doing. Then in January, I'll begin Season 3. And I don't know if I'll continue to do two episodes or whether I'll just stick with the one a week. So we'll see. Um, I'm just deciding, you know, kind of when to be be done with it. I, I mean, I could drag it out till October or I can do two episodes at a time and be done at the end of May. So it's really just a matter of what I want to do, because I do have other podcasts that I'm working on, and a couple that are on the back burner that I want to get into also. I mean, I love doing this podcast and everything, but I don't know if I want to drink it all the way out to October of next year. (laughs) So, um, I hope you all understand, my Wonder Years podcast will be coming to a planned end next July 4th with the season finale episode. So that way I can also focus on my two podcasts, the Mr. Belvedere and the American Dreams podcast, which you probably heard that I put in uh, the Punky Brewster feed. You've heard some of those. After Punky, I may do some episodes from the cartoon series just to keep it going. We'll we'll see. Maybe I might even look at some Soy Moon Fry movies that she was in also. All right, let's dive into the first of two episodes, Season 2, Episode 4, Baby Buddies, which aired on October 6, 1985. And this episode, with Mrs. Johnson's assistance, Punky and Cherry go into the babysitting business. A woman leaves her baby with them, but when the three of them take it out for a stroll, they return home with another infant, and my doorbell just rung. I'll be right back. All right, guys, I'm back. Actually, a UPS driver just dropped off my new uh, Nook cover, so I went and swapped that out. So I got my awesome new red Nook cover to replace my old teal one that was peeling 
and it needed to be replaced. And I found it on Amazon for like $10 or $8 or something. I think it was 10 bucks. All right, let's jump into this episode. We open up the episode. Hey, Quinny, how you doing, baby? Stay out of the mop bucket. That's gross. All right, we open up the episode in Punky's room as we see Punky putting the finishing touches on Betty's birthday dress. Punky asks Cherry if she thinks Betty will like the dress they made, and Cherry tells her it'll be the best present her grandma ever got. Right now, honestly, it kind of looked like a pile of purple, green, and gold rags, but uh, not at all appealing to the eye. Punky asks Cherry if she's all set, and Cherry says, yep. And that's when we see Cherry standing on a wooden box with three pillows tied to her body, mainly to the middle portion. Cherry asks if three pillows are enough, and Punky tells her, Yeah, your grandma looks like a three-pillow lady. Punky tells Cherry, Four would be insulting to her. And Cherry agrees, Yeah, probably. Punky tells Cherry she's almost done except for one thing, and Cherry asks, What's that? And Punky admits, I sewed the dress to my pants. I think sewing should probably be done at a table, not on a bed. Or at least maybe in the kitchen where there would have been better lighting. Although they're trying to hide it from Betty. But how often is she in Henry's apartment? Answer, she's there quite a bit. Again, Cherry complains. Punky pulls the thread attached to her pants, and then she throws it at Cherry to put it on. And Cherry laughs and says, I can't believe it only took a month to make this dress. Well, for two kids, that sounds about right. I mean, they are kids. They have other things like school and playing outside, etc. The dress is huge with red, gold, and blue flowers with a deep v-neck. As Punky helps Cherry arrange the dress on herself, Punky tells her that it took them a month because Punky did the front of the dress and Cherry did the back. Punky looks at the double sleeves in horror, decides, ah, man, they're too close together to be a pantsuit. At this, Brandon just looks at them like, wait, what? Cherry suggests they sew them shut and they'll just be long pockets. Punky tells her that'll never work and the dress is ruined. And Cherry tells her there's no time to start over and make another dress because my grandma's birthday is next week. Punky tells Cherry they'll just have to buy her a dress, preferably sleeveless. Cherry says that'll cost a fortune, at least eight bucks. Er, uh, Punky says at least eight bucks. They begin to blame each other, and Cherry throws it in Punky's face that the dress looks the way it does because they didn't use a pattern. What? Girls, come on. When you make a dress, you use a pattern. Just like when you put a puzzle together, you use the boxes of reference. And when you put a bookshelf together, you use the instructions. Kudos to those that can make a dress from scratch without a pattern. I tip my hat to you, or I would if I was wearing one right now. Punky and Cherry try to think of jobs that they can get to earn money, and Cherry tells her, Let's head to the kitchen. I think better with cookies in my stomach. Don't we all? Before they turn to exit out the door, Punky makes a fat joke saying, Boy, you must have been thinking a lot lately, as she pats Cherry's pillowed stomach. In the living room, Henry and Betty come into the apartment arguing about Henry needing to call a plumber after trying to fix the pipes for over half an hour. And getting nowhere. 
Henry tells Betty the pipes are old, and you can't just put anything down there. Betty asks, well, how about water? Is that too much to ask? So at this point, Eddie, the maintenance man, is out of the picture. So what did Henry not get another one? I mean, he has to do basically everything himself now. He's no handyman. I really don't know. He's, he's not a handyman. Not really. He's more like one of those managing books, you know, for, for the apartment. Or I don't know exactly what he does. Maybe he is the maintenance guy. Just then, Brandon enters the apartment with a sign on his back that reads, Ask me about baby buddies. And this in turn causes Henry and Betty to pause in their arguing. Punky and Cherry walk into the apartment carrying babies. I assume Punky has Henrietta, or Henrietta from the Bye Bye My Season 1 episode, and Cherry has a doll as well. So where is Durinda May from the Gales and Dolls Season 1 episode? I mean, I... Take it maybe this is Margot's week because they were like trading off weeks to, so I don't know. Maybe she's gone. Maybe she lo was lost. Maybe they lost her. I don't know. Henry asks the girls what the, where they've been, and Punky tells him drawing up some customers at the park. In Chicago, I wouldn't trust the girls not to be abducted by some weirdo or pervert back then. Oh, especially nowadays. Those girls are too young to be at the park by themselves. I mean, yes, I know. It was the 80s. I know. I was left alone when I was like 10. Punky announces they're going to be business tycoon typhoons. <laughs> and Henry corrects her saying, tycoons. And then he asks what kind of business. And she hands him a card with the business's name. Baby Buddies, he reads aloud. I'd be like, didn't you read the sign on Brandon's back? That literally happened like less than a minute ago, and the girls followed in directly after? Well, I guess that was wasted advertising then. Also, these girls are nine years old. They are too young to babysit anyone's child, let alone an infant. Those girls, in fact, those girls need a babysitter especially by today's standards, so I can't really see anyone at the park taking those girls seriously. Punky's slogan, let us watch your kid. You'll be glad you did. You're going into the babysitting business? Henry asks her. Yep, she tells him. He offers her a flat, he offers her a flat out no. Like, I'm not going to be held responsible if you kill somebody's child. Guys, I'm sorry if I'm harping on the girls too much, but the only way this can really work is if Betty is there, which is what she ends up doing when a lady brings her baby to them and is taken aback when she discovers two nine-year-old girls are going to be watching her son. That's when Betty basically steps in. Punky asks Henry, why not? And he flat out tells her, you're too young, which yes, they are. I'd say wait three or four years when you're a teenager, then we can get you certified to be a babysitter. I mean, don't kids, don't teenagers have to be certified nowadays, especially in CPR? I was probably 13 or 14 when I started babysitting my two oldest nephews and niece, who are now 23, 21, and 18. This seriously feels so long ago. Punky tells Henry they're 18 with their combined ages being nine and nine, Henry tells her that a nine-year-old is not qualified to look after a small baby. Heck, there are adults out there that run daycare centers out of their homes that are probably less qualified than her. He asks Betty if she agrees with him, and she, uh, she tells him no, and he frowns at her saying, who asked you? 
Henry looks really disheveled here with his salmon-colored handyman jumpsuit with his hair flopped over. He looks really ragged and worn out. Betty tells him that babysitting will be a good learning experience for the girls. Henry looks at Betty and tells her that this is an experience they can experience when they've had a little more experience. Henry was absolutely shaken on that last part, probably imagining the idea of Punky becoming older and becoming a mother herself is when she can basically have that experience. Punky asks how they can have this experience, how can they have this experience if he won't let them have it? And Betty tells Henry that there's nothing like having a baby in the house. I wonder if this is a sore spot for Henry because he and his wife were never able to have children of their own. That's a noise. Scraping outside. I don't know. Henry asks what's that supposed to mean. And for that matter, there's nothing like having an iguana in the house. Then can we be iguana sitters? Punky asks. Henry tells her no. Then he turns on Betty telling her how this is a terrible idea and he can't believe she's encouraging this. Betty tells him she'll be there the whole time to supervise the girls. He asks her if she really thinks they can handle it. Then he finally agrees. He's like, all right, you guys can be ba you girls can be babysitters. He tells the girls that this is a big responsibility and asks them if I allow you to do this, will you promise to be responsible? And Punky tells him, I promise. We'll treat the babies like they're our very own. He thinks on it for a beat and tells them, all right, I'll allow it. I'll allow you to do it. The girls are so happy. They scream, yippee, and throw their baby dolls in the air. Oh, boy. <laughs> Henry just kind of looks at him like, uh, I made a mistake. And if I were Henry, I'd be like, okay, you know what? No, I've changed my mind. After witnessing this careless display, no, you are not looking after anybody's child. They get their first customer, and of course, when the girls open the door, the lady is shocked to see two young girls there instead of grown women. Cherry says, welcome to Baby Buddies, and Punky adds the slogan, let us watch your kid. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> oh, no, I won't, said the lady. <laughs> the lady says and immediately turns around with their baby carriage. Punky asks her, what's the matter? And the lady tells her, you know, on the phone, you sounded taller older. <laughs> that's when Betty gets up and informs her, you were talking to me, that's why. And the lady breathes a sigh of relief. Betty honestly should have been the one to open the door to begin with because the girls are just going to turn people away when they, these people realize that the girls are the ones that are supposed to be babysitting their kids themselves, even though these children themselves require a babysitter. Betty tells her she's a baby buddy too. And Punky points out that she is the baby buddy boss. And the lady brings in her old-fashioned stroller into the living room and introduced herself as Ruth Darney and her son Maxwell. Betty compliments how cute the baby is, and Ruth, in a snobbish tone, corrects Betty, telling her he's a genius. I'm like, uh, sure, lady, him and every other baby in the world. I'm like, okay, prove it. Prove your baby's a genius, because this I gotta see. Punky strokes Maxwell's hand, telling him she and Sherry are going to be his new baby, his new buddies, excuse me. <laughs> 
Ruth tells Betty she'll only be an hour or so, and that Maxwell's no trouble, and he should just basically sleep the whole time. Ruth tells Betty that if he doesn't sleep the whole time to give him a bottle, as she takes it out of the diaper bag attached to the stroller to give it to Betty. Then, uh, when uh, she basically goes to hand it to Betty, she kind of pulls, uh, pulls it back and says, you have to heat it first. Like, well, duh, lady. <laughs> of course you gotta heat it. You're not gonna give him a lukewarm bottle. Betty has raised three kids and her current granddaughter, so I'm sure she knows all about that. Ruth then goes on to mention if he says Googie, then he wants his rattle. But if he should say Gaga, then that means he wants his favorite little music box. She asks if they understand, and Cherry holds up the rattle and says Googie, and Punky holds up the music box and says Gaga. Betty, holding the bottle, tells her, I got it. Punky shows a goofy face to Max, which gets a giggle, a giggle out of him. This baby is so cute. It's so cute. I think he's a little ginger baby. He's got little red hair. So cute. Ruth pulls Betty aside and tells her this is the first time she's left Max alone with strangers. Ugh. No wonder she's overly paranoid. Lady, you should have had a relative watch him. Then move up to a stranger. I mean, but yeah, on the plus side, Betty is a registered nurse, so that means she, he is in safe hands. I know it's not a pediatrician, but she is certified in CPR, so that helps. Ruth tells Betty that she has a chipped tooth, so she has to go to the dentist and can't take him with her due to germs. How about because a receptionist isn't going to watch your child while you get your tooth fixed? Betty assures her that Max is in good hands, and Punky adds how they want to do an extra good job with her their first customer. Oh, Punky, you shouldn't have said that. First customer? Ruth stammers. Yeah, girls, now she's freaked out. Thanks. You mean you've never done this before? She asks him, and the girls both shake their heads no. She grabs that stroller, ready to zoom out the door when Betty stops her and lets her know that the girls haven't babysat before, but she's done it all her life, and she's a registered nurse. Ruth is completely reassured when she hears this and says goodbye to Maxwell, telling him she's going to get her chipped tooth fixed, reminding him that's where he hit her with the rattle. Good Golly, that kid must have hit her hard to chip a tooth. Holy moo. Just before she walks out the door, Ruth hands Betty the number of the dentist and her husband's number at his office. She also gives her mother's number and the pediatrician's number as well as her sister's number. But tells Betty, don't call her because we hate each other. Then why did you give her the number, lady? Jeez. Punky coos over Max's soft skin as she strokes his cheek and comments on his baby smell. I'm sure that's right up there with that puppy smell. Who can resist? Although for me, puppy smell trumps baby smell. I don't have any children. Quinny, you didn't have any kitten smell when I got you, did you, girl? No, you didn't. You're still cute, though. <laughs> Cherry agrees that he smells like baby powder. Betty starts doing this little piggy went to the market song. I think maybe someone might have done that with me, but I'm too old to remember, really. Punky asks if Betty did the same to Cherry when she was little. Betty tells her she still does, and that's when Cherry turns to Betty and says, 
Grandma, you promised not to tell. That's when Brandon gets off his chair, ball in mouth, and puts his paws up on Max's stroller and, stroller, and Punky tells him, That's real nice, Brandon, but Max can't play fetch with you yet. I thought that was cute. I thought at first Brandon was going to offer his toy to Max. Like, oh, here you go. Here's my toy. Brandon then just goes back to laying on his chair. Like, ah, I tried. Betty asks if the girls want to hold Max, and then she picks him up and places him in Punky's arms, reminding her to support his head with her arm. Punky gazes down at Max and mentions how he gurgles and moves, and he doesn't even need batteries, just like a real baby. <laughs> baby just <laughs> Betty turns to Cherry and asks if she'd like to hold him next, and Cherry has a freaked out expression and tells her, No, I, I might break him. Betty assures her she'll be fine and to just be careful. Cherry tells Grandma Max has a dent in his head. Betty tells her it's just a soft spot, and every baby has one. Really? I did not know that. What do you know? Huh, I learn something new every day. This just makes Cherry more freaked out, and she's like, Grandma, please take him. Because he's, he's, as soon as he's sitting in her lap, she's like, oh my god, I'm freaked out. And it's like, he must be able to sense that or something. Like, oh, this person doesn't, oh my gosh, this person's nervous. Oh my gosh. Ah! And then he just starts like, oh my god, oh my god. Poor baby. He senses that. Anyway. And then it's like, for a sec, he does it at first, but then when she says, oh, Grandma, can you please take him from me? He He's fine. He's calm. It's, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Betty puts Max back in a stroller, and the girls look on, and Punky mentions how tough she thought it would be being a babysitter. But actually... It's a snap. And Cherry agrees. Uh, no, it's not. Or at least not always. Then we see Max burst out crying. Betty just rolls her eyes, probably thinking back to what Ruth had said about Max sleeping the whole time that she was gone. The girls look at each other in alarm. I've taken... They've never heard a baby cry before? When my oldest nephew was young, I babysat him, and at the time, he was still wearing diapers. And as I was finishing, you know, putting a new diaper on him, one of the sticky tabs that attaches to the outside of the diaper uh, to keep it in place had become attached to his stomach, because I didn't, like, close it fast enough and attach it fast enough. So when I pulled uh, the tab away from his skin, it's almost like it stuck like a Band-Aid. I can't remember if he cried or not. I think he was maybe three at the time. I started freaking out, and I called my grandma, who really, she did. It's like, I don't know what to do. What What do you want me to do? Eventually, I, I pulled the sticky tab off and finished the process. But just the idea of causing my nephew even the slightest pain unnerved me and made me question my ability to be a babysitter. In the next scene, Max is continuing to cry, and poor Brandon is trying to helplessly cover his ears. Cherry unsuccessfully tries to calm Max, and Punky slowly pushes the stroller back and forth to soothe him. But he just continues to wail. Cherry asks her grandma if his bottle is ready yet, and Betty tells her no, but for Cherry to, you know, just check his diaper, see if it's wet. Then she and Punky argue who should be the one to check, and Punky's like, no, it should be you, she's your grandma. 
And then Punky finally is like, fine, I'll do it. And she's like, oh, it's dry, it's fine. I'm going to play this clip because I thought it was funny. So I'll be right back. But do either of you want to hold a baby? I do. Okay, sit down. And remember how I showed you? Support his little head. Yeah. Oh, this is incredible. He gurgles and moves, and he doesn't even need batteries. <laughs> Jerry, you want to hold him? Uh-uh, I'm afraid I'll break him. Oh, he'll be fine. Just be careful. Come on, No, Cherry. That's just a soft spot. Every baby has one. Take him. My pleasure. Come to Betty, baby. Let's put you back in here so you can nappy poo. Nappy poo poo. You know, Cherry, I was worried about this. I thought it might be tough to babysit a real baby. But in real life, it's a snap. Yeah. <laughs> to Mad Max. So Betty comes in with a bottle offering it to Max and for a second, I mean, it kind of looks like it might work, but then by some Herculean effort, he throws the bottle across the room. Cherry offers him his rattle Googie, but he chucks that out of the bassinet as out of the stroller as well. Well, I can see uh, why the mother has a chipped tooth. That kid's got an arm on him. Punky suggests that they try Gaga, the music bunny that plays a lullaby when you pull the string, and it seems like he likes it because he stops crying. The baby looks temporarily content putting the toy in his mouth, but then he throws that out, almost hitting Betty in the face. Dang! Betty suggests they go to the park, and hopefully that will calm him down. She tells the girls that fresh air will help, and Punky asks, Do you really think fresh air will calm him down? And Betty tells him, tells her, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about me. <clears throat> they come back and Betty mentions how Max just needed a nice stroll in the park to calm him down. Cherry mentions how she thinks he liked being around other babies. 
Betty tells her there are a lot of babies at the park today. Cherry and Punky decide to pass out the business cards to all the mothers to drum up business. Then they can afford a designer dress for Betty. They could have put that sign on Brandon since he went with them anyway. I don't know why they didn't do that. Betty mentions how hot it was outside and hopes that Max didn't get too much sun. All the while, a yellow blanket was covering the stroller, so when Betty pulls the blanket off to reveal that Max has not only changed his skin color, but gender as well, as we close up on a shot of a grinning African-American baby girl. Betty gasps in shock, and the girls come over to see the problem, and their mouths drop open. He couldn't have gotten that much sun, Punky tells them. Betty asks the baby, who are you? I thought that was funny. I mean, of course she can't answer you. Punky tells him, we've got the wrong baby. We're ruined. And I'm over here nodding my head like, yep. <laughs> Cherry asks, what's Mrs. Darney going to say? It's sure not going to be. Hi, Max, Punky adds. Betty tells the girls to calm down. There's a logical explanation for all of this. Sherry tells her there were lots of carriages that looked like Max's at the park. Betty again asks the baby, Who are you? Then the phone rings. I don't know how this could have happened. Did they step away from the stroller? If so, why? They were th There were three of them there with a the baby. I guess maybe they just looked away for a minute. I mean, I know, I know. Suspend my disbelief. Betty answers the phone, and it's Mrs. Rafer, and she has Max. Did she get their number through a business card for baby buddies? She tells Betty she'll bring him right over, and then she'll get her little girl. Betty leans over the stroller and says, That's right, you're a little girl, aren't you? Okay, I can see that right away. Basically, pink clothing, ears pierced, but Betty must have been in such a frazzled state she didn't notice anything except for the baby not being Max. Betty says they'll switch babies and no one will be the wiser. <laughs> Just then, Henry walks through the door, and he comes over to admire the baby after asking, How's the babysitting going? He looks into the stroller and asks, Is it a boy or a girl? Really? Am I the only one seeing this baby wearing pink and having pierced ears? <laughs> Betty and the gr girls say, Boy, girl! Confusing Henry, who asks, Well, which is it? Punky cringes as she tells him, It's a girl for now. Huh? What do you mean, right now? He asks her. Punky tells him the silliest thing happened that we will laugh about for years to come. And Betty and the girls all laugh, but they stop when Henry doesn't join in, instead fixing them with a hard stare. Like, what is going on? He orders them to tell him what happened, and they'll laugh about it later. Punky explains that their baby got exchanged with another one when they were at the park. Henry points at the baby in the stroller. So this? Is the wrong baby? Punky tells him, right. So where is the right baby, he asks. And Betty tells him, he's on his way over. And Henry asks, is he hailing a cab? I laughed out loud at that moment. Henry goes on a tirade, yelling about how Betty had told him this would be a good experience for the girls. How she would supervise. Handling everything as long as 
The baby is the one they're supposed to be watching. They all cringe as he lectures them. Then the doorbell rings, and Betty calls him an old worrywart and tells him, there's the right baby right now, but when she opens the door, it's actually Mrs. Darney. Oh, crap, not good. Especially after Betty shuts the door in her face when she discovers it's Mrs. Darney and not Mrs. Rafer with Max. Betty composes herself and reopens the door, asking, Can I help you? Mrs. Darney says, Well, I'm here for Maxwell. Betty partially closes the door and turns to Henry and the girls and repeats what Mrs. Darney said. Like, it's Mrs. Darney. She's here for Maxwell. And Henry and the girls also repeat, it's Mrs. Darney. She's here for Maxwell. I'm guessing they're stalling for time. Betty pulls Mrs. Darney inside and introduces her to Henry, who vigorously shakes her hand. Then Cherry adds how he's a wonderful baby photographer and then pulls her over to see the pictures Henry took from the Miss Adorable pageant from season one. Mrs. Darney asks, what's the charge? And Punky tells her, it's on the house, because Max was no trouble at all. It's almost like he wasn't even here. Mrs. Darney walks over to the carriage, but Punky blocks her way and tells her, no, which surprises Mrs. Darney, and Henry offers her some complimentary tea courtesy of the baby buddy service. She objects, but between Henry, who yanks her arm, and Punky pushing her into the kitchen, the coast is clear to get the other baby switched out. Luckily, the doorbell goes off, and Betty answers it to find Mrs. Rafer with Max, and they pull Max inside the apartment, and then Betty slams the door, and the doorbell rings again. Mrs. Rafer, who wants her baby, so Betty sends her on her way with her baby, and that's when Mrs. Darney and Henry come out of the kitchen, and she tells them, I don't want any tea. But Henry's holding up a can of SpaghettiOs, offering them with her tea. Oh, you can't have tea without SpaghettiOs. Um, that's kind of a nasty combination. Punky tells him, Henry, it's okay, as in, we switched the babies. It's all good now. Mrs. Darney peers in at Maxwell and tells them, I'll tell all my friends about your service. And Punky tells her, don't bother, because we've just gone out of business. Punky adds, believe me, we've buddied our last baby. In the final scene, we see Brandon in a party hat with a noisemaker in his mouth. And then Henry shouts to the girls if they're ready. And they call out from the kitchen, yeah, we're ready. Then he flips off the lights and they sing happy birthday as Punky and Cherry come out of the kitchen carrying two cakes to awaiting Betty on the couch. At first, I wondered why they had two cakes, but then I figured it was to get all the candles for her age. I love Brandon blowing out his noisemaker. That was funny. But it sounds like someone is blowing out the happy birthday song in a dog voice. To me, that kind of takes away from it. Betty asks the girls, why two cakes? And Punky mentions how they wanted to get all the candles on a cake. She goes to blow them out, but Henry stops her to count the candles. But Betty and the girls quickly blow them out before he has the chance to count them and find out her real age. The first present Betty opens is a colorful plunger from Henry, and she looks at him and tells him, oh, you shouldn't have. Cherry pulls out the present from her and Punky and tells Betty, here you go, but you're going to hate it. And Betty assures her, no, I won't. Punky explains they wanted to get money to get her a real present, but since baby buddies went belly up, they had to make her gift. She tells the girls that homemade presents Homemade gifts are the best presents. 
Even if you have to wear it, Cherry asks, and Betty tells her, yes. She stands up and tells them she's going to change into it, and they're all going out to dinner. Henry and the girls wait for Betty to come out. The girls all look in awe as Betty comes out from the bathroom, and she tells them she loves her new dress. It looks like she took the extra sleeves and wrapped them around the top of her head. At first, they thought the girls had made a hat. But it looks nice. The girls file out the door. As Betty passes Henry, he starts to say something about her dress. And she turns on him and says, One comment and you die. That's the end of the episode. Time for my Brandon Tailwig episode rating. I'm giving it 3 out of 5 Brandon Tailwags. 1 for Punky and Cherry making a homemade present for Betty. 2 for the whole baby switch thing. Thing, even though I could see that coming as soon as they came in the door with the yellow blanket covering the stroller. It was so funny, especially when Betty kept asking the baby girl, Who are you? Actually, she makes a baby boomers reference, mentioning how all those babies in the park who... Mentioning... With all those babies in the park, <laughs> there must have been a war on. That was kind of funny. Three, for the girls coming up with a business venture and then deciding after the switcheroo, after they've their one and only customer, they decide to throw in the towel. I liked how Henry stressed, excuse me, stressed to the girls that babysitting is serious business, and flat out said no until Betty stepped in to supervise. Because in reality, a nine-year-old is too young to babysit when they themselves would need a babysitter. I knocked off two tail wags because even though the episode was funny, it kind of fell flat for me. The two mini side plots of Betty's plumbing issue and the girls making a dress for Betty's birthday were just, eh, they were just okay. Maybe I'm just a sucker for the more dramatic episodes because those ones show off the girls acting more and send a message to viewers, especially younger ones, when it comes to handling a situation and gives them something they might be able to relate to. Alright, time for Punky's Principles. My thoughts on this episode. I feel that in today's world, an adult with experience with raising children would... Oh my gosh, guys, I am sorry. I feel that in today's world, an adult with experience with child raising would trump a child when it comes to babysitting. I feel the right age for babysitting should be maybe 15, 16 at the latest. To get some experience, I was just kids maybe babysit for family members or maybe neighbors. I think young adults have to be certified now to babysit right, right? Especially when it comes to CPR. I think if Punky and Cherry wanted to raise money, they could have sold like lemonade or hot chocolate to people or had a garage sale that would teach them about money. They had their dog grooming business. What about walking dogs? I babysat when I think I think I was as young as twelve. I think until I was about twenty-one. They're always ever. They're usually only ever my sister's kids, who are pretty much all grown up now. I saw my oldest nephews through their Rugrats phase in the mid '90s to the late '90s into Pokemon. I think I even gave them their first root beer floats. Now that they're older and have their own lives, I don't really see them that much anymore, except for at their open houses and occasional Christmases. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's some YouTube comments from the episode. I love Punky Brewster. It was my favorite show. 
You're a little girl, aren't you? The earrings and the pink outfit were pretty clear clues. See? Yeah, that person agrees with me. Punky is too young to babysit. Yes, she is. Nine-year-old babysitters. Yikes. Alright, guys. Let's jump into the second episode, Season 2, Episode 5, entitled Tap Your Troubles Away, which aired on October 13th, 1985. In this episode, the children enroll in a tap dancing class taught by Jersey Janet, a former Broadway dancer. Punky is not very good, and she quits the class when her skills do not improve. The episode begins in the backyard of the apartment. The episode begins in the backyard of the apartment building with Henry and Betty tending vegetables. I'm trying to remember if this is an ongoing thing through the rest of the series. I guess we'll see. Henry tells Betty how therapeutic gardening is and how economical, and she agrees. He asks her how much they've saved by growing their own vegetables, and she ticks off the cost of the plants, the soil, the fertilizer... Henry adds the bug spray, new hose, and tools. She tells him to divide that between two tomatoes and a carrot, and they're about 150 bucks in the hole. Dang, back then, that's a lot of money to spend on that stuff. Heck, now it's probably even more than that. I bet that'd be even twice that amount now. Henry tells her, nobody said therapy is cheap, and they both laugh. Now we move on to the treehouse, where Punky asks the gang, Cherry, Margo, and Alan, if they want to be air traffic controllers. I thought she was asking them in regards to their careers as adults, but Cherry asks, how do you play that? They're nine. Is that maybe a little too old to play make-believe? I don't know. I grew up in the 80s and 90s and probably used my imagination past age nine, but that's only because I didn't have a lot of kids around my age to play with. Punky tells them, well, first we go on strike and then we get replaced. I looked this up regarding that because it sounded like it would relate to something that was happening around that time. It sounded weird that Punky would know something like that right off the cuff. August 3rd, 1981, here's what I found out. Over 85% of the 17,500 air traffic controllers go on strike for better working conditions and improved wages. Ronald Reagan, outraged with the strike, informed the air traffic controller to return back to work within 48 hours or the government would assume the striking controllers had quit. Alright, well, Margo comments on that sounding dreary and suggests they play Broadway musical. Sure, she can play the star. Gag me. Surprise, surprise, Margo tells them she'll be the star. And Punky Challenger asks and asks, why should she get to? And then Margo begins to tap dan- a tap dance routine and then turns to Punky saying, that's why. Punky's jaw drops in awe as she asks how Margo did that. And she tells Punky, it's called talent. She was born with it. And that's when Alan comes up and tells Punky they'll all be learning that next week. And Margo shushes. Alan is cherry grimaces. So, what's going on? They're clearly keeping something from Punky. And I feel bad for her. It's almost like they kept this from her and are excluding her. What friends do that? Alan tells them it's fine since Punky doesn't know who Jersey Janet is. Then Punky asks, who is Jersey Janet? And Margo explains, Jersey Janet used to be a Broadway star, but now teaches tap dancing in Chicago. Punky surprised asks 
if they're all taking tap lessons, and Margot shuts her down, telling her that it's basically none of her business, since it has nothing to do with her. That is rude. Why do they allow this girl to hang out with them? That's what I don't understand. I know she's, like, a snooty little snob, but I don't see what Punky sees in her, or the other girls seeing her. I don't know what she brings to the show, but uh, she's just flat out annoying. I don't like Margot. I've said that many times in other episodes. Punky Hurt looks at Cherry asking, why didn't you tell me about it? Yeah, Cherry, why didn't you? You are Punky's best friend, and as we know, best friends don't keep secrets from each other. Cherry's lame excuse, she wanted to tell Punky, but Marco said it would hurt your feelings. Cherry is still letting Margot boss her around. Apparently, she didn't learn her lesson from the season one Gals and Dolls episode. Punky tells them it hurts her feelings more when they don't tell her. Margot tells her point blank that was a risk they had to take. Margot explains that it's a dance class where you have to dance. She puts a hand on her shoulder mentioning how Punky has some amazing qualities and they love her, but a tree stump has more rhythm than her. Since when? We've never seen Punky dance, so how can the kids make this judgment slate unseen for us? We, as the audience, are just supposed to buy that Punky is a clumsy oaf and can't dance to save her life. This irritates me. These so-called friends get to make the decision that, hey, you're clumsy, so you can't be part of this dance class. That's bullcrap. I guess this is a message of how you feel when you're excluded from activities by your friends because you're apparently not good enough. This just pisses me off. The way they treat Punky is uncalled for. Punky tells Margot she's got more rhythm than a tree stump. Alan tries to tell her basically they made this decision to exclude her to spare her embarrassment. I'd be like, uh, you want to talk about embarrassing Alan? Okay, let's talk about the fact that you always wear that gray t-shirt, sweatshirt, whatever, in every freaking episode you're in. Now that's embarrassing. Punky tells them she's going to join the class regardless of what they think. Well, good for you, Punky. Good for you. You join that class. You know, if she turns out that maybe she isn't good, then oh well. But at least she gave it a shot. All right, guys. I'm going to play this clip because it shows how her friends are treating her and how hurt Punky is that they would exclude her. Which, even though I've already said that, I still want to play this clip. All right. Be right back. Wow. How did you learn that? It's called talent, Punky. I was born with it. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to learn that next week. Helen? Don't worry. She doesn't know who Jersey Janet is. It's Jersey Janet. See? <laughs> Jersey Janet was a famous Broadway star. Now she's teaching tap dancing here in Chicago. And you're all taking tap lessons? Yes, Punky, but never mind. This has absolutely nothing to do with you. Sherry, why didn't you tell me about this? Well, I wanted to, but Marco said it would hurt your feelings. <laughs> it hurts my feelings even more when you guys don't tell me. Well, that was a risk we had to take. <laughs> why? Punky, this is a dance class. You have to dance in it. So? Punky, you have lots of wonderful qualities. And goodness knows we love you. But a tree stump has more rhythm than you. I've got lots 
That's more rhythm than a tree stump. Punky, we were just afraid that if you took Jersey Janet's class, you would really embarrass yourself. And those of us who know you. Well, that's a risk I'll have to take. By the way, while this is going on in the treehouse, Henry and Betty are still working in their makeshift garden without with their within earshot. None of them bothers to set these kids straight. Now we move on to the dance studio as we see Punky walking all walk in all decked out in her punky style tap dance outfit i noticed this dark haired bo this dark haired boy circle the room and then he goes behind margot and bends down to stretch he almost looks like he's checking her out but i don't think he is he's nine cherry looks up at punky and comments on how awesome her shoes are Margot heads Punky's way, and Punky informs her that when I asked Henry about taking tap dancing lessons, he thought he, that I'd be great at it. Punky just laughs that off like, well, of course he did, Punky. He's your parent. He's requ required by law to say that. You're right. I was worried she was going to start in about him not being her real father again, but luckily she didn't go there. Just then, Jersey Janet makes her grand entrance with a tap dancing routine, and the kids all cheer and clap for her. Jersey Janet looks to be a woman in her 60s that had her moment in the spotlight and has decided to retire from the biz and tap dance. What in the hell is that noise? What are you doing? Quinny, stop. Sorry. And tech. <laughs> and, uh... What in the heck did I write here? Decided to retire from the biz and take tap dancing to teach tap dancing to future up and coming stars like Margot. She tells them it's nothing and soon I'll be teaching you all to make your grand entrance. Punky asks her if she can teach anyone to dance and Jersey Janet tells her sure. <laughs> I even taught a cat to tap dance. She asks for a moment of silence for all the great tap dancers that have came before and went. And then she introduces the piano player, Mac. She tells the kids that she and Mac have been working together for a long time, and he'll be working with them for the big show happening in six weeks at the Fleabo Theater. I have to say something here. This lady should really consider wearing a bra. I know that's not part of the leotard outfit, but you can see her areolas, and it's kind of uncomfortable. Like, no lady 60 years or older should be wearing a leotard without a bra or some form of covering. Because if you can see your boobs, it's a kid's show, too. Ugh, I don't know. It was the 80s. I don't know. Maybe things were different then. But then again, I grew up then, so of course they were. She puts the kids through a routine where you brush your foot back and forth across the floor. Just a sweeping back and forth motion with your foot. And Punky is just picking her foot up and placing it back down again. It's not that she doesn't know how to dance. It's just I don't think she's following the directions. We see a montage on, on the dance floor over several weeks, I'm guessing. And Punky's trying and Jersey Janet always humors her saying... Don't worry, kid. You'll get it. <clears throat> At one point, Punky looks like she's running in place. You see Punky really struggling and frustrated as she looks at the other kids' house 
they seem to be picking it up just fine. And she eventually grows tired of hearing, don't worry, kid, you'll get it, from Jersey Janet, that she finally snaps, like, I know, I'll get it. I'll, please back off. Jersey Janet shows them a step that will separate the hoofers from the heifers and others separate in other words, separate the kids who can tap from the ones who cannot. Jersey performs a step that looks like a pain to do. She tells them they'll do it four times and they do the routine. Why doesn't she break down the steps? She asks, or Punky asks if they call it the time step because it takes so much time. She tells Punky it's a snap, then invites Margo to demonstrate. Jersey tells her that she's a chip off the old block, and Margo suggests that she be the star of the show. Taking a little aback, Jersey tells Margo, I'll keep that in mind. Not. Jersey moves on to Alan to show off his moves, and he shrugs, saying he feels like he has two feet, or two left feet. And she tells him it's because his shoes are on the wrong feet. When you feel that, your shoes being on the wrong feet hurts. It took me a while when I was growing up to learn which shoe went on which foot because the bottoms always looked the same. It was very frustrating. The kids all laugh and he bends down to untie them. She moves on to Cherry to see her demonstrate the move. Cherry shows her and Jersey tells her that she's almost got it but compliments her on having a dancer's body. I was looking at the comments on YouTube for this episode, which I'll post at the end, and some people are right. This class does seem advanced with children at varying levels of tap dance experience. Jersey should be breaking down the steps for Punky, or Punky maybe should have joined a beginner's tap dance class. Jersey moves on to Punky, and Punky shows off her moves and hops around three times while the kids all laugh. Jersey tells them they can learn a lot from Punky, and Margo chimes in like the brat she is with what, how not to do it. Jersey tells them how to give it your all. She tells Punky she's got a lot of personality and a lot of pizzazz, that she just needs to feel it in her toes. She again tells her not to worry, you'll get it, then she adds, the cat did. Punky beams with pride and admiration. Then Margo comes along and bursts her confidence bubble by saying how Punky has a lot of nerve, how she wouldn't be able to stand it where the whole class is making fun of her. Punky tells Jersey that, tells her Jersey said she had pizzazz, and Punky tells her that just means she has the rhythm of a tree stump. Punky needs to drop Margot. She's bringing her down. Friends don't put you down and they don't make you feel stupid. I don't care if it's tough love or tough honesty. You don't do that. Kids' minds are very fragile. And killing their confidence could affect them later on in life. They go into another routine and Punky fights back tears as she tries to keep up but then decides to just grab her stuff and get out of there. Surprisingly, no one notices and no one stops her. Punky stops in the doorway, hurt and anger written on her face as she watches the other kids and then she leaves. In the next scene, we see Henry's studio. We see Henry behind the camera shooting what looks like a perfume ad as Brandon just chills out on the sofa in the background. Suddenly, some creeper in a trench coat with disheveled hair comes in and comes over to Henry. 
asking him, hey, you take passport photos? As soon as Henry opens his mouth, the guy is already telling him, hey, move it along, let's go, let's go. Then he puts on a dark mustache, some dark shades, and a hat to disguise himself. Yeah, this guy looks like he's fleeing the cops as well as the country. Henry makes small talk as he sets up the shot, asks where the guy is headed, and he tells Henry, someplace out of the country. Henry takes one look at the guy in the getup and yells at him, get out! As he's pushing the guy out the door, the guy offers new cash, which I'm sure is from the bank he just robbed. Then he opens his trench coat to reveal a bunch of watches lining the inside. He even mentions Betamax, a sign of the times there. I wonder if this guy knows Lenny the Loop from season one, the Take Me Out to the Ball Game episode. Punky opens the door. Henry, not even looking in the direction of the door, yells, OUT! Punky, already hurt, takes it personally and closes the door, but Henry realizes it's her and calls her back in, asking if Glass let out early, because he didn't expect her so soon. Henry tells Punky he's glad she's taken lessons from Jersey Janet, and he's one of her biggest fans. And then he turns to Punky and asks how she likes her class. Instead of answering him, she starts in how tap dancing is bad for your health because it makes your legs... Your leg muscle, your legs muscle, which when you get older will turn to fat or something. Then she mentions very close veins. She means very close veins. And then she mentions feet turning green and the doctor, doctor having to cut them off or amputate. Then she mentions how your shoes won't fit and she asks Henry if it's worth it. And she tells him, like, is it worth it? I say no. He looks at her incredulously, like, wow, something must have really be going on here if you're, if she's making a big production out of the dangers of tap dancing. I want to play their conversation together, how, where she opens up on how bad the class is. Then the guy is back, this dr guy dressed as a woman, what the hell, WTH, does he think Henry is senile and won't recognize him, but he recognizes him. And Henry yells at him to get out again. So I'll play that clip. I'll be right back. Out! <laughs> I'm sorry, Punky. I didn't expect you back so soon. Did the class finish early? Sorta. You know, Punky, I'm so glad you're getting tap lessons. You are? Yes, and especially from a star like Jersey Janet. I bet I'm her biggest fan. You are. Indeed. Now tell me, how did you like her class? Henry, did you know tap dancing could be bad for your health? Oh? Yeah, gives you great big muscles in your legs. Then when you get old, all that muscle turns to fat. <laughs> then you get very close veins, and your feet turn green and the doctor has to cut them off and none of your shoes fit anymore? <laughs> I ask you, is it worth it? I say no. Punky, what's really bothering you? Did the class go badly? I was awful. I tried to learn, but I got everything all wrong. Maybe you should just try harder. Maybe I should just quit. Punky, quitting can become a habit. 
But, Henry, you don't know what it's like having all your friends laughing at you. Oh, yes. I know exactly how it feels. You do? When I was a boy, I wanted to be a sailor more than anything. The happiest day of my life was when I joined the Merchant Marine. It also turned out to be the worst day of my life. Why? Because I got seasick. So lots of people get seasick. Walking up the gangplank? <laughs> From then on, every time the captain said, heave ho, the entire crew looked at me. <laughs> I was so embarrassed, I wanted to jump ship at the first port. Did you? I did not. I stuck with it, day after endless day, wave after endless wave, railing after endless railing. <laughs> but one day, out of the blue, I developed my sea legs, and I was never sick again. Do you think I could develop my tap legs? Funky, if you try your hardest, you can do anything. Really? Really. Excuse me, kind sir, do you take passport photos? Uh, how about a nice car? Some smarts for the kid! kitchen the next day we see Henry at the table doing a crossword and it looks like words have been erased in the boxes then we see the camera pans across the table as we see Brandon in the chair staring at a folded upright newspaper with a pencil in his mouth I think it's cute how they're trying to humanize him Punky comes through the door tap dancing away and it's here that we see that Henry has cotton balls in his ears to drown out the noise of her shoes Punky informs Henry that Jersey Janet is giving out the parts for the performance, and he tells her to break a leg. She looks at him with a bewildered look on her face as she scolds him like, Henry. He tells her that means good luck. Then we hear something break, and the camera zooms in on Brandon having broke the pencil in his mouth. I hope the lead in that pencil doesn't poison him. He almost looks like he's smiling there. Punky leaves, and then instead of taking the pencil out of his mouth, Henry asks Brandon what he got for 16 down on the crossword puzzle. Now we're outside the apartment as, Brand as Henry is watering a plant, as and Brandon sits on the steps looking on. Punky comes around the corner in a huff, and she looks disappointed. He asks, how to, how to go, power toes? I thought that was a funny quip. Punky do doesn't answer him. Instead, she pulls off her tap shoes and tosses them down the garbage chute, yelling, And stay away from my feet! She storms into the apartment and then tells Henry she was even worse than last week, and she mentions how Jersey Janet used to say, Don't worry, kid, you'll get it. Today, she told Punky, It's time to worry. I'd be like, I'm paying you money, so you better find a way to make me look good, otherwise give me a full refund. Punky throws Henry's words back at him with, You said if I tried hard enough, I could do anything, and the only thing I'm good at is failing. He tells her that it's impossible to be a failure if you try your hardest, and she says, Tell that to my feet. And he does. She puts her foot up to her ear and tells him, They don't believe you. I thought that was cute. Henry tells her a failure is someone who gives up without trying, and that's not his Punky Brewster or her feet, and he says, how proud he is of her. Hey, Quinn. How you doing, babe? You enjoy your dinner? That's good. 
Aw, that's sweet of him to say. She confesses that Jersey Janet didn't put her in the show, and she, then she heads to her room. Henry is shocked and decides to pay her a visit. We see her singing along while her pianist plays on as Henry stands in the doorway watching in awe. Henry walks right in, and she just goes on as with it as he joins the routine. I thought it was kind of cool. He is definitely starstruck. Jersey Janet is really impressed and compliments that he remembers the song better than she does. She asks if he's there to sign up for her swinging 60s class, and he tells her no. He remembers her from her USO show. <clears throat> Jersey Janet starts heavily flirting with him, asking what... Why he didn't come backstage to see her. He tells her, well, he was just a sailor on leave, and she was a big star. He tells her his name is Henry, and she calls him Hank, and he mentions how he usually dislikes it, but coming from her, it's lovely. He tells her how Punky is in her class, and she grimaces when she realizes she knows who he is talking about. And he asks, is she that bad? And she tells him she's a klutzy. And Henry automatically takes offense to that. But she assures him, I was the same way when I was young. My toes were all thumbs. And a cow on I was a cow on crutches. She tells him she outgrew it. And you never know. Today's klutzy could be today's tomorrow's star. He asks, can Punky still be in the show? And Jersey Janet tells him, all the kids have a part in my show. And he says, well, if she can't dance, what is she going to do? And that's when she drags her finger down his suit jacket in a seductive, seductive way, telling him it'll be a surprise. Okay, I gotta say something here. This is a children's show, and this woman is way too over the top with her come-ons. It makes me feel uncomfortable, just like that top that, that too revealing leotard she wore when she first entered the scene earlier. Next, we see a scene with the poster... For the production untitled Spring Loose, starring Jersey Janet at the Fleabo Theater, all dancing, all tapping. The announcer comes on, announcing the start of the show as we see the closed curtains of the stage. Jersey Janet comes out on stage in an off-white sequenced dress and a faux feather boa. She tells them, save the applause for the kids and give a moment of silence for the great tappers of the world who have passed on. And then the show begins. We see the kids all wearing flower petal head costumes as they tap around the stage. Jersey Janet sings a song about bees and flowers and we see Betty and Henry in the wings watching. Betty comments, and, uh, comments on how amazing Cherry is and Henry asks where Punky is. Betty reassures him, yeah, she'll be along shortly. We also see Brandon with a cute white neck collar and tie. It's so adorable. That's when Punky comes out on a wire flying over the kids' heads wearing a bumblebee costume. Henry whistles and cheers as Betty laughs and claps. Brandon barks his approval. Punky doing flips in the air and trying to tap dance in the air. It's funny. At least she got to be a part of the show after all. So that's pretty much the episode. Now, here is the Brandon Tailwag episode rating. Hi, Gwen. I am giving a 3 out of 5 Brandon Tailwags. One, for Punky trying something that she might not be good at, and she kept going back even though she wasn't improving. Two, Henry's talk with her about not giving up on something just because she might not be good at it the first time. 
And three, for Jersey Janet at least giving her something... Oh, hold on. At least giving her something to do in the play instead of already excluding her. I had to knock off two tail wags because of once again Marvel's cruel treatment of Punky and also for Cherry and Alan not supporting Punky's desire to be included in the tap dancing class. Especially Cherry. She's her best friend and once again she cowers and doesn't stand up to Margot and defend her friend. Even Punky calls her out on it. Also, for Jersey Janet, a teacher's job is to help students, especially if the parent of said child is paying money for the class. You better be making sure that child is understanding, even if you have to break it down into steps. She was teaching a very advanced step dancing class, and it seems seemed as if you fall behind, you won't catch up. Time for Punky's Principles. Every child has a right to try something new, whether they'll be good at it. Who knows? They shouldn't be made to feel, I mean, who knows? They shouldn't be made to feel bad or excluded or worse, made fun of. I wasn't always good at everything. I tried. I didn't even get to do 4-H because I was told by my family I might not be able to handle it. I was older than my cousins that were doing it as well. I wish I could have been given the chance to try. There was nothing physically or mentally preventing me from doing this either. Alright, here's some YouTube comments. I like the part at the end where she's a cute little bumblebee. So cute. I think the real obvious issue here, beside Margot being a massive jerk, is the fact that Punky jumped into an advanced dance class with literally no experience and the others had been tapping for ages. Well, we don't know that. I mean, Margot might have been, but I doubt that Cherry and Alan were have been doing that for a long time. Unless I had, but I don't, it was never mentioned in previous episodes. As cute as this episode is, I do take slight issue. You shouldn't have varying degrees of talent in one tap class. It should be beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Punky was obviously a beginner and should have had the steps broken down properly for her. Instead of saying, don't worry kid, you'll get it, the teacher should have broken the steps down for Punky. When I took tap class, my teacher broke every step down. That was so mean of Margo. Punky probably would have gotten it if she... Hadn't, wouldn't have killed her confidence. Margot equals junior plastic. I hate them. Type of ladies. Why does Punky always believe Margot's rude remarks when she's always wrong? Margot is not a friend. Alright, let's take a minute and say welcome to some new Punky Peep listeners. We have <clears throat> Jefferson, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, Homestead, Florida, Lisbon, Portugal, Muskegon, Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. We have Spain, Austin, Texas, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boston, Maine, or Massachusetts, I'm sorry, <laughs> Anderson, Indiana, Belfast, Maine, Landisville, Pennsylvania, Burwood, Australia, Irving, Texas, Paris, France, Mountain View, California, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, Ashburn, Virginia, New York, New York, Los Angeles, California, Washington, D.C., Argentina, Maine, Edwards, Missouri, Rockford, Michigan, Hacienda Heights, California, Aurora, Illinois, Neighborville, Illinois, Warrington, United Kingdom, Lynn, Massachusetts, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 
Arlington, Texas, Madrid, Spain, Minsk, Belarus, oh my goodness, Minsk, Euless, Texas, Stockton, California, Raleigh, New York, uh, North Carolina, Crystal Lake, Illinois, there's a Crystal Lake, oh, okay, <clears throat> Central Square, New York, Brooklyn, New York, France, France, Brazil, Kuwait, Millsburg, Ohio, Modesto, California, Edgar, Florida, Dronton, Netherlands, and Mumbai, Indiana. Let's also give a shout out to some new Facebook likes on the Punky Power Podcast fan page. Alright, we have some new listeners. Rebecca, Brett B. McGregor, Lisa Burrell, Marcos... Oh my goodness. Giglio? Shane Mosley, Daniel Juarez, Adana Dennison, Ashley Harper, Paulo Roca, Monique Wanamaker, and Sor Angeles Rodriguez Riviera. So, I also want to give a sincere shout uh, thank you to all you listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. I love giving you the episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week, joining me as I go into full detail describing her many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, if you'd like to reach out to the podcast, you can do so by visiting these social media sites or emailing me at gmail, punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com. This email address, as well as the addresses for the Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, will also be listed on the episode description. Now it's time for the listener question for the next next week's episodes, when I cover Season 2, Episodes 6 and 7, The Perils of Punky, Parts 1 and 2. What scared you the most about this episode. Now this will also be listed in the episode descriptions so you can find every week you'll find the listener question for the following episode in there along with the email address so you can email me your answers. Alright so have a great week and let your punky power shine on. Happy fall. See you next Sunday. Bye bye.